Boys and girls, your attention, please. Presenting a new exciting radio program featuring the thrilling adventures of an amazing and incredible personality. And now, The Sports Buzz with your host, Kevin Wolf, with Andy Loigu. Is anybody alive out there? Is anybody alive out there? Is anybody alive out there? And good Saturday evening, sports junkies, as we come to you live from the great state of New Jersey on this Saturday, July 8th, the year 2023, as the heat wave continues here on the East Coast, the baseball season starts to kick into high gear with the all-star game and all-star break just a day away and we have a lot to hone in on on this evening's broadcast as we bring you passionate sports talk for the hardcore fan We'll get into the NBA and some breaking news earlier with a big-time head coach in Greg Popovich. We'll do that a little bit later on. We'll get into other areas of significance later on, but we must begin where I think we should on this evening's broadcast, and that is with baseball as the baseball season really starts to form now with all of these teams that are going out there and vying for playoff positioning. And when you look at the All-Star break, that really is a chance to give everyone a good feel as to where your respective team sits as we get ready for the second half of the season. And if you're a New York Mets fan, You've seen a lot of inconsistencies with this team. But we've just witnessed some excitement as last week when I came to the microphone, I told you that I wasn't optimistic. I told you that a lot of work needed to be done with this team. And I told you that the times when they pitch, they don't hit. And then the times when they hit, they don't pitch. Well, over the last six games, they've been able to do both as they are on a six-game winning streak as they went out there and started their road trip with a four-game sweep against the Arizona Diamondbacks. And they took game one of a three-game weekend set in Southern California against the Padres last night. And they will look to take a 2-0 series edge in the game tonight with first pitch scheduled for a little bit after 7 p.m. on the West Coast, 10 p.m. on the East Coast. And then you have the New York Yankees. You have a Yankee team that has been hampered by a big injury to their star offensive player, in Aaron Judge, a toe injury that has crippled the Yankee offense, an injury that has really made the Yankee players have to go out here and try and find ways to score runs and win key games. And when you have a guy like Rizzo, who hasn't hit a home run since May 20th and has a 36-game drought, with sending the ball over the fence, you start to wonder as a Yankee fan, 
that maybe some players are going to have to start stepping up if this team wants to fight for playoff positioning. But if you're a Yankee fan, you feel more confident that October baseball is in your sight as a wild card. And if you're the Mets, you're happy with what you've seen over the last six games, but you're not totally sold yet. I'm sure my broadcast partner, Andy Loigu, has a lot to share with us concerning the 2023 baseball season. Good Saturday evening, Andy the Walrus Loigu. How are you? Yeah, doing fine. As we speak, uh, the two teams with the best records in the American and National League are playing each other. The Braves are up uh, behind uh, Spencer Strider pitching some shutout baseball. What else is new? The Braves leading the Tampa Rays for nothing. You know, it's funny, I, I tend to look at the standings from my old guy point of view. The, the way the standings would look if this was 1968, which was the last year uh, before we had divisions and wild cards, you would have the leader of the American League race would be the Tampa Bay Rays. Second place team would be the Baltimore Orioles four games out. That would be the American League race. And when you just had the one team go to the World Series, the National League would be a runaway. The Atlanta Braves would be ahead of the second place Miami Marlins by eight and a half games. And that would be your National League race. And uh, now it's, uh, there's a lot more to look at in the standings when you're considering all the playoff spots and the central divisions. It is funny to look at Minnesota being 45 and 44, and they're in first place. While some teams with records much better than that are in second and third. So that's that's the way baseball has gone, but it is what it is. And uh, yeah, you're talking about the Mets, you know, they had uh, some pretty exciting games. Like last night's game, they came from behind, they sent an index innings. The other night, uh, they were down to their last strike, and that rookie catcher hit a home run when they were down to their last Alvarez. Tied, yeah, Alvarez. That tied up the game. That was a, uh, that was quite a dramatic game for the Mets. Uh, so they, they, they've, they've still got some of those dramatics in them. And, yeah, you can't count a good team out this early. You know, first of all, uh, speaking as somebody who's watched so many high school and college games and seen so many good players, uh, who never got a sniff of the big leagues. Uh, you got to appreciate that every one of these players in the major leagues had to be special to get there. And so, uh, you know, they may have their ups and downs playing each other, but you can't count anybody out because these people are not going to like for confidence and they don't like for ability. You know, it just comes down in the end to maybe something mental or or some kind of a stratagem that didn't go right or something, but there's talent on all these teams. Well, the one thing I can say to you confidently tonight, Andy, is that the Atlanta Braves don't lose. They are a power team with the bats. They do everything right. They have great pitching. They have a great offensive core from one through nine in that lineup. Bryant Snitker's a whale of a manager, and they're 59 and 28. They've won two consecutive games. They're beating up on a race team who has dominated in the American League East thus far this season. The Rays are on a six-game losing streak, and right now, Andy, I understand there's many games left to be played. I get that this is a long season. I get that you can get a team like the Mets or like the Padres or 
like the Phillies again that can make an August and September run and be lights out, get into the postseason as a wild card and make a deep threat into a World Series. I understand all of that, but right now I have to say that the best team in the sport is the Atlanta Braves, and when you look at this Braves team, Andy, they are an unstoppable force, and right now I would have to make them the legit favorites to potentially get to a World Series because they've shown me everything thus far this season to make them a worthy competitor when it comes to the baseball and the big game, the fall classic. I like what I've seen out of the Miami Marlins at 52 and 39. They've bought into Schumacher, the manager. They got a lot of young talent there that seems to be gelling nicely, but I don't know if that's enough for them to make a deep, deep run. The Philadelphia Phillies, we saw a late run last season that got them into the third wild card spot, catapulted them to a World Series. Will they have that magic again in the second half to continue that trajectory of winning success? With the New York Mets, we know what we've seen. We've seen inconsistencies. We've seen questionable decisions by the manager. We've seen some head-scratching games where the team hasn't hit where they haven't rallied, where they haven't been clutch. And the last six games, they've turned the page. We can only hope that this is the beginning of turning the tide to getting this team over the hump and into October baseball. One other surprise that we look at in the first portion of this baseball season as we gear in to the All-Star break would be the Cincinnati Reds. I think they've done a lot this year, and you wouldn't have expected the Cincinnati Reds on July 9th to be 10 games over 500 with a 50 and 40 record but they are the Milwaukee Brewers are still battling they're at 48 and 42 the Cubs are keeping it interesting they got 41 wins and 47 losses that's better than years past as they have been a competitive team to watch the Pirates who started off strong have fizzled a little bit and I think the biggest surprise is the Cardinals in the central at the bottom of the barrel with only 37 wins and 52 losses a Cardinals team that has a great offense has some good pitching has some weaknesses in the bullpen but should be better than a 37 win baseball team and also uh the baltimore orioles sitting there they've got over 50 wins now and uh it showed me some resiliency this week as they went to new york to play the yankees and they lost the first two there in new york but then they bounced right back with a 14 to 1 win and they ended up splitting the four game series so and then they've gone on to Minnesota and now won two in a row there. That, that team looks like they intend to stay where they are in the standings. The Phillies right now, they've won 22 out of 29, and they just swept uh, Tampa. It was Tampa's first uh, home series sweep of the season. So the, the Phillies are, are working magic right now. And then you have the AL Central where you have a young Guardians team led by Terry Francona who had a health scare a few weeks back and was out for a few games. He's back in the dugout. They're a game over 500. You have a Twins team that is battling with an even record of 45 and 45 in the win-loss column. And then the Tigers, they're playing tough for A.J. Hinch. And just to give you a quick heads up, the Detroit Tigers went out there today and 
and pitched a no-hitter against the Blue Jays and shut out the Blue Jays and go on and win a game, and the combined no-hitter was really a big-time storyline for the Tigers, Andy, and it was fun to see what they were able to do with that combined no-hitter as they've played tough for A.J. Hinch and company. Yeah, just last week we were talking about a perfect game for the Yankees, so uh, pitching is alive and well in baseball these days. Yeah, Matt Manning, Jason Foley, and Alex Lang were the catalysts to keep the Blue Jays out of the hit column as Detroit survived and got a win over a Blue Jays team that is pesky and feisty and has good pieces there but haven't been over-the-top exciting this season. So they get a big win today, the Tigers, and that was fun baseball to watch earlier this afternoon and one other thing i want to say on the baseball quickly andy is it's also been fun to see again what the dodgers have done the dodgers have been very impressive again this year and they always find ways to win games they're 12 games over 500 they're only a game back of the Diamondbacks, who have done well this season. They hit a bumpy road against the Mets in those four games at home, but the D-backs are 52-38, and 38, the Dodgers are 50-38, and 38, and the Giants are just three and a half out at 48-41. and 41. So the NL West, like it is every year, is very close to the vest as we approach the All-Star break. Well, the Dodgers there, they have Mookie Betts, Freddie Freeman. They, they've got some uh, leaders there who are going to keep the ship going. Uh, one big thing that's uh, brought the Phillies uh, back into things is uh, Craig Kimbrell out of the bullpen as their closer. He's had 12 straight perfect innings, and uh, he's been uh, closing these games that the Phillies have been winning lately, and uh, they've needed that. In fact, the Phillies' bullpen... He got scored upon today, but the Phillies' bullpen had had uh, 26 consecutive scoreless innings the last few games. So that's a far cry from the old team problem that the bullpen used to be over there. And the Texas Rangers, Andy, what a job they've done. Manager Bruce Bochy back in the dugout. They have a 52-38 and record. They're without their star pitcher, Jacob DeGrom, who was injured earlier this season. But the Texas Rangers have battled tough throughout this part of the season. And as they get ready for their all-star break, they're 3-7 and their last 10. They've lost one game. But you know what? Bruce Bochy's brought the magic to Arlington. And the Texas Rangers have responded, Andy. And they are going to be a fun team to pay attention to for the remainder of this season as they etch their way towards postseason play. And one team knocking on the door are the pesky Houston Astros led by Dusty Baker in the dugout, a Houston Astros team that has had great postseason success. They're coming off of a title with Dusty Baker for a World Series trophy, and they'll try to repeat that feat, but they may have to hope that the Texas Rangers can lose some of their momentum to try and garner momentum for the Astros to make a run into hopefully what can be long postseason play and another World Series appearance. Well, the Astros, uh, you know, they've been the closest thing baseball's had to a dynasty since the Joe Torre Yankees. 
you know, the uh, the Astros have uh, been in the World Series four times out of six years. So I, I don't know if I'd call them pesky, but uh, the Angels uh, were looking like they were going to be, and they still may make a wild card run, but uh, Trout got hurt now, and that puts a damper on their hopes, I would say. But uh, they're still hanging around there at 500, which uh, these days does keep you in contention. Well, with the injury to Trout now, it makes you wonder how many more times we'll see Otani in an Angels uniform this season, as there are some feelers out there that Otani may be shipped before the trade deadline to go to another team and contend with another team because there's not a lot of talent outside of Otani and Trout for this Angels team that makes them an appealing watch the rest of the way. I know they have a record of 45 wins and 45 losses, but Otani is going to be a huge player on the uh, trading block this year, and it's going to be very interesting to see what happens. Does he stay on the West Coast and maybe go to the Dodgers and just amplify their pitching and hitting and make them all that much more better to try and get to a World Series title? Does he maybe come to the East Coast and perform in New York in a city that's got a lot of driven media and they're on your back when you do bad and don't go out there and perform to the best of your ability. You know, it's going to be very interesting to see what happens with Otani, but I have a feeling his days are numbered in an Angels uniform. I don't know. The Angels, uh, they have the resources that they could keep Otani, pay whatever it takes to keep him, and still build a good team around him. Uh, you know, they're not like, uh, I remember when the Orioles uh, had to trade Manny Machado because they knew they weren't going to sign him when he went free agent. They just couldn't come up with the money. Uh, so they got what they could, could for him in a trade. But in the, the Angels are in kind of a different stratosphere when it comes to uh, being a big market and all that. I would think it'd be smart to keep your best player and build around them. And uh, they may have the finances to do that. You know, they probably don't care if they go into, you know, the salary cap thing and all that, you know, where you have a, a revenue sharing uh, with a certain percentage of your revenue there. But I don't think they care about that if they want to win. Because, you know, you got a guy on the mound and in the lineup in him, you know, that he's such a unique player where he's able to pitch and hit, contribute for you on a daily basis. How do you place a value on that monetarily in baseball, you know? Now it's going to be a very tough decision for front offices to make when it comes to the Otani sweepstakes, but there are going to be a lot of teams in on it, and everybody seems to think that because Cohen has the money for the Mets that he will be a big-time suitor when that opportunity presents itself, but I don't think Otani wants to play in New York. I don't think he wants to deal with the rabid fan base and the pressure that comes with playing in this big city of the Big Apple, New York City, and I also think he likes the West coast he's comfortable out there he has said that he would want to stay on the west coast if he played for another team so i think a lot of focus now is going to be on shohei otani and ultimately where he ends up when all is said and done does he stay an angel does he stay on the west coast and play for say 
the L.A. Dodgers in the National League, or does he go to the East Coast and play for a team like the Yankees or the Mets, or is there a surprise team that could just jump in and gobble him up and make him a long-term fixture? Ultimately, Andy, he's one of the best athletes in the sport. He is a fascinating watch. And the uh, players, uh, most players do feel uh, when they come into the big leagues, they'd want to stay with the same team. The, the team, the players are able to do that are the ones who the fans really, uh, really enjoy and appreciate. Well, you know, like uh, the Derek Jeters of the world, the, the people who can uh, stay with a uh, David Wright enjoyed that to a degree with the Mets. You know, he was a lifetime Met. Uh, he un- unfortunately didn't have a long, as long a career as he could have, but for 10 years, you know, uh, I don't know of a Mets fan around who doesn't look like David Wright because uh, he, he's one of us. He was there from the beginning and he stayed with the Mets. He didn't go anywhere else. And uh, those are the players who the fans really attach themselves to. Uh, now, once uh, once a player's been traded or something like that, then they get mercenary about their contract because they've seen the business end of it. Players, for the most part, would want to stay with one team and really be identified as the face of that franchise. Uh, That means something to a player. I think Otani, if he's given a reasonable salary offer, would stick with the Angels. It's going to be interesting to watch. And speaking of David Wright, Andy, you know, when you think of David Wright, he just fit New York. He fit the team. He was a fixture for that team. He resonated well in this city. David Wright was a purebred Met. He fit in very well when he was in uniform, and he's a Met that a lot of the fans go back to with great memories when he took to the diamond, and his pure athleticism alone was fun to watch. Well, yeah, I remember uh, my father-in-law was a big, big, big lifetime Yankee fan, and uh, I remember when Reggie Jackson had those Mr. October uh, you know, moments with the Yankees, and uh, was a big World Series hero for the Yankees. But I remember him saying, well, he wasn't a true Yankee, you know, because uh, he didn't come up with a team. He just came to the Yankees to make the big money. And, uh, and so even though he came through for the Yankees with plenty of clutch performances, the, the Yankee fans still looked at him as uh, uh, he was just a carpetbagger who came here for the money, <laughs> you know. Very interesting, Andy. And speaking of baseball, Andy, the Yankees got a big win today, 6-3 to three behind the arm of Cole. He will move to 9-2. and two. The Yankees are 8 over 500 and will look to take the series from the Cubs tomorrow in the house that Homer's built and try to get nine games over before the All-Star break. The Cubs won last night behind the arm of former uh, Yankee Jamison Tyone who looked brilliant on the mound he had eight innings he gave up one hit two walks and had four strikeouts and he really looked good on the mound last night for the Cubs so the Cubs who have had an interesting season will play in the third game at Yankee Stadium tomorrow with each team looking to salvage a win before the all-star break the Atlanta Braves are up on the Tampa Bay Rays for nothing in the bottom of the sixth as they just continue to add wins to the win column of their record, Andy. Only 28 losses thus far this season. They have been the fun watch out of the National League. And then you have 
the Mariners and the Astros all even at 2-2 two to two in the bottom of the sixth, and the Mets will play a little bit tonight. after 10 o'clock tonight, and they will take on the San Diego Padres as they look to extend their six-game winning streak to seven games as they are six and a half out of the wild card, and they look to try and gain ground in the wild card with their only hopes towards postseason play. Any final thoughts on the baseball, Andy? Well, you know, for the Yankees, uh, Severino is a big question for them. A couple of years ago, that guy looked like he he was looking at a a real dynamic uh, major league career. But uh, his line the other day, uh, well, he's one and four now. And in that game against Baltimore on Thursday, he he only went two and two-thirds innings, gave up ten hits, seven runs, all of them earned. I mean, uh, you know, the guy's got an ERA of over seven. And this guy was going to be a coming star. So he's been giving up a lot of home runs, a lot of hits and runs. Uh, if some pitching coach can straighten him out, you know, the Yankees are going to need something out of uh, that guy if they're going to go anywhere. They've got Cole, who's uh, about as good as it gets. And uh, they've had some good work out of the bullpen, and they've uh, had a lot of good things going for him. But if they can get Severino straightened out, I mean, he, he had an ugly game the other day, a seven-run inning bang. I mean, uh, just when the Yankees are starting to get some momentum going, yeah. Yeah, well, listen, the fan base has been a little rabid this past week. They don't like the direction the team is going in. They're worried about the judge injury. They're sort of putting the blame on Cashman and saying that Cashman needs to go out there and make some big moves to get this team back on the map and get them as a viable contender for wild card play in the postseason. And I think the biggest thing with the Yankees is how long is Judge going to be out for? Because the longer he's out, this continues the offensive pressure for other guys like Volpe and Torres and Stanton and Rizzo and Bader and Donaldson and LeMayu, who hasn't had a great year, and Kiner Falefa at the bottom of the lineup to go out there and continue to try and be key contributors contributors to get this Yankee team some big wins down the stretch and the biggest question mark is judge and we've seen that this offense cannot respond in big ways without Aaron Judge in the lineup I mean yes Donaldson had a home run today that was good to see Stanton hit one out that was nice to see but you need all nine guys to step up to the plate and be contributors day in and day out without Judge in this lineup if you want to make headway the rest of the way this season. Yeah, Rizzo's batting about 260, and uh, LeMahieu used to be a, a great hitter, and he's really dropped off lately. 220? Yeah. I mean, Le- Josh Donaldson is batting 146, Andy. Yeah, I wonder what Jerome from Manhattan would have to say about all this. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, for those listening, Jerome from Manhattan was an avid caller to Sports Radio 66 WFAN in New York, and he was actually a big-time caller for the overnight hours on the respective shows that would air at that time with the respective hosts behind the microphones. But Jerome from Manhattan, for the local New York audience who listens to WFAN and the old sports purist who listens to WFAN, remembers all the memories with Jerome from Manhattan calling talk in. About rant, talk about rants. <laughs> yeah. 
No, absolutely, yeah. Andy. But Andy, when you look at this Yankee team, you would have to be somewhat worried like the fan base is that this Aaron Judge injury could be a little bit worse than we originally anticipated with the toe and that if he's out for a long period of time, this could come back and haunt them when all is said and done. Yeah, they need for Stanton and Rizzo to step up. <laughs> they really do. Well, it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. And, you know, listen, the fan base getting on Brian Cashman, I get the Yankees haven't won a title since 2009. I get that they're yearning for another World Series appearance and another ticker-take parade down the Canyon of Heroes. But, you know, Cashman has proved that he's made a lot of right moves in his tenure as Yankee GM. And this is a guy that it's going to be very hard to take the leash off of and show the exit door he has an allegiance to the steinbrenner family he's been a big time yankee upper management guy for decades now i get you can be frustrated with him but you gotta look at all the good he's brought to this franchise to get them their 27 world series titles so we have to hope that if you're a yankee fan he could find some magic and make some uh moves at the trade deadline i definitely think the yankees would need another pitcher in that rotation because we've seen cole be more consistent this year We've seen some of their starting pitching look true to form, but I don't know if one through five, Andy, can ultimately be the best that they could put out there to get to another World Series title. Well, the Yankees won their 20th World Series title. Their aces are Whitey Ford and Ralph Terry. <laughs> so, yeah, the uh, the Yankees with uh, 27 uh, titles, that's a great number. But, uh, you know, 20 of those came by 1962. You know, since '62, they've uh, they've still won a few, but they haven't been quite as dominant as they were in the '50s and in the '30s and the '20s. When you talk about domination from about 1921 to 1964, the Yankees were just ridiculous. <laughs> it hasn't been quite that way since. No, it hasn't, Andy. And, you know, I got to tell you, though, a, a fun player that I've liked to watch for this Yankee team. He's he's been. S- rusty the last few weeks but Isaiah Kiner-Falefa he is definitely a a big time name to look out for on this team as he progresses with this franchise he is a fun player to watch he's got speed he's great fielding he's got some good leverage with the bat he's up and coming he is going to be fun in a Yankee uniform for a long time oh yeah and I I like Bader and uh and uh Glaber Torres uh yeah, he's got he's got a lot of flash too and a lot of power. Uh, he can he can get hot for you. And another yeah. guy, Andy, who's going to have to step it up. I know he's young, but Anthony Volpe. We've seen some magic from him this year, but he's going to have to also help this offense with Judge out of the lineup. He's going to have to be a catalyst at the top to get some key hits for this team and get some runners on the base pads. Yeah, he's just batting two twenty, but they're batting him lead off. Uh, yeah, not too often that I've seen a, a rookie batting two twenty uh, being a leadoff hitter. You know, he gives them the good glove. Uh, I wonder how long they'll keep him in that leadoff spot, though. That's a, that's a commodity the Yankees uh, are searching for. Now, Lynn Mayhew, if he ever becomes a hitter that he was, he could certainly do that. 
You don't need a speedy leadoff hitter, just the guy's on base all the time. LeMayu's been very surprising, Andy, this year. He was a huge catalyst last season for them, and he has just fallen off this season. Yeah. Not just last year, but for several seasons, he, he was a big, big major part of their offense. Listen, they got a big win today. Cole got the job done. Seven and a third pitch, three earned runs, five strikeouts, one walk. So you like what you've seen out of uh, Cole. Hopefully they can get the win tomorrow, be nine over at the All-Star break, and then try and find momentum in the second half of the season. Yeah, Cole's nine and two with a good ERA too. So, you know, there's a reliable ace there. Yes, there is. And, And Michael King saved the game today, his sixth. So he was able to do well at the back end of that bullpen. So if you're a Yankee fan, you got a good win today. And listen, with the Mets, I mean, okay, I'm excited, but I need to see more. I'm not going to buy into a six-game win streak to tell me that all is fine and flushing. I need to see this team go out there and and win some more games. I need to see them continue the momentum with the bats. I need to see them get good starting pitching like they did last night from Verlander. I need Scherzer to give me more than five or six innings. I need Senga to have consistent starts with good dominant outings. He he was great in his last outing. He was. You need consistency from that, though, Andy. You can't have one great outing and then come out the next outing and get through three innings and have a ton of run scored against you you got to go out there and show consistency so hopefully 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 the met pitching will continue their momentum and the consistency will be there the biggest lackluster guy right now is carrasco he would worry me a little bit and we have to hope that when quintana comes back he started some throwing sessions hopefully when he makes his debut he can be another added piece to a rotation that desperately needs some uh starters to give them length And with that said, Andy, we've covered a lot on the baseball side. We'll take a break and we'll come back and we'll give you other news about what's happening in the world of sports as we have a lot to hone in on as Carlos Alcaraz has become a tennis favorite by many. Greg Popovich was in the news earlier today and there's a lot more to hone in on on this evening's broadcast. You're listening to the Sports Buzz with Kevin Wolf and Andy Loigu. Passionate sports talk for the hardcore fan is our daily motto. SportsBuzzShow1 at gmail.com. SportsBuzzShow the number one at gmail.com. Calm. We'll take a time out. We'll come back on the other side with more great sports talk coming your way. Hi, I'm Fuad Reves. I'm a home builder. And I have a question for all of you out there who are building your dream home. Are you making plans so your home will have healthier indoor air? It's an important question because there's a deadly invisible radioactive gas that can seep into homes from underground. It's radon gas. And when you breathe it in, it can cause lung cancer. Among non-smokers, radon is the number one cause of lung cancer. The good news is that it's simple to build a home so radon is not a problem. Building your home radon resistant is a good, inexpensive way to stop radon from entering your home. Any builder can do it. So protect your family, talk to your builder, tell them you want a healthier, safer dream house. You'll have better dreams. Learn more. Visit the EPA at epa.gov radon. That's epa.gov radon. 
This public service announcement is brought to you by the EPA, who does not endorse this particular builder or any other commercial enterprise. Did you receive a call or message that mentioned Social Security and demanded immediate action? Did the caller know your Social Security number or other personal information and tell you that your Social Security number had been used in connection with the crime? Did you feel worried that your Social Security number might be suspended, your bank account might be frozen or seized, or you could be arrested? That is not the Social Security Administration. Social Security will not threaten you, demand your personal information or instant payment, email or text you pictures or documents, or use a real government official's name to gain your trust. Social Security does not accept payments by gift card, prepaid debit card, internet currency, or by mailing cash. Criminals use these forms of payment because they are hard to trace. Do not be fooled. Hang up. Ignore them. Report this criminal activity to the Social Security Administration Office of the Inspector General at oig.ssa.gov. Produced at U.S. taxpayer expense. And welcome back to the Sports Buzz. Kevin Wolf and Andy Loigu coming to you live on this Saturday night as we chat to you about what's happening in the world of sports. Passionate sports talk for the hardcore fan is our daily motto as we stream this broadcast on the World Wide Web at Clubhouse and we make it available for podcast playback through Spotify, Google, Apple, and wherever you go for your daily episodes. I see about a good. 50 people or so in the clubhouse room. So if you want to come up and chat with us, just raise your hand and feel free to come up to the stage. I'll bring you on and you can share some sports thoughts with us along the way on this evening's broadcast. And right before we came on the air this evening, news broke from San Antonio as legendary Hall of Fame head coach Greg Popovich. He goes out there, he gets the star stud Paris player from France, Wembenyama, to try and retool the San Antonio Spurs as the Spurs were the first pick in this year's NBA draft and Wembenyama couldn't be more excited than to play for Hall of Fame head coach Greg Popovich. Well, Greg Popovich showed his excitement as the 74-year-old has decided to stay on the bench for the San Antonio Spurs and lead this team for five more years with a deal that's worth over $80 million. In 2022, he passed Don Nelson for the most career wins by a coach in NBA history. Following this past season, Popovich has a career record of 1,366 wins, 761 losses. He is also also third all-time in playoff victory. So Greg Popovich, one of the legendary head coaches, few left roaming the NBA sidelines, has decided to stay on and hopefully get a few more championships under his belt with Wembenyama, the star stud player, being the main focal point as the new season will get underway at the end of October as the Spurs look to bounce back from what has been a dismal few years with young talent but no veteran leadership to lead the way and get this team out of the basement and to better days ahead. Well, a player of this magnitude coming to the NBA uh, brings me back to uh, a couple of previous instances, like when uh, Patrick Ewing went to the New York Knicks and when Lou Alcindor, who later was known as 
Kareem Abdul-Jabbar when he went to the Milwaukee Bucks. I remember when uh, when the Bucks got uh, Big Lou, as they used to call him. Uh, it only took them two years to, to win the National uh, Basketball Association championship. Of course, they managed to get uh, Oscar Robertson over there to be a playmaker for him. But uh, and Ewing, of course, everybody too was was thinking, boy, here comes the Knicks dynasty, and didn't quite happen uh, because uh, well, the one team that kept that from happening was Michael Jordan, Chicago Bulls. That was just uh, uh, that was a mountain too high for the Knicks to climb. But uh, you know, this this is reminiscent of uh, of those two guys coming in. You know, this is a player of big magnitude who uh, really is going to make San Antonio. Uh, Possibly a favorite, although I know Denver's going to be tough to knock off. Uh, they're going to want to defend that title. But I'd say this puts San Antonio right back into the conversation of uh, who's going to win the NBA championship. Absolutely. And it's going to be exciting to see Wembenyama take to the hardwood, Andy, and to see what he does his first few days in a he's Spurs uniform. Because he can, but we, we ultimately really didn't pay attention to him when he was in France, you know. Well, sure. we, we didn't. European basketball has been very good, and uh, Djokic is another example of that. Yeah. Uh, there have been some good players that have come over from there, and the NBA has started drafting them. I couldn't agree more, Andy. I really think the Spurs are going to be a national favorite by many in the upcoming NBA season, and it's going to be very interesting to see game by game how he progresses in the NBA with the Spurs uniform on and ultimately what Popovich instills in him to make him an elite stud because you know Popovich he retooled Ginobili Duncan was a stud Robinson was a superior player for a long time Pop has taken many players and have molded them into superstars and it's going to be interesting to see what he can do to mold Wembenyama into that superstar and to be that main guy on this team to build around and really deliver San Antonio Antonio winning success for the next decade or so. Well, yeah, he'll be a dynamic focus for that team for sure. They do so much speculation about the NBA. Uh, you know, it's re- it's really wild. I'd say uh, he's he's maybe the only real impact uh, draft choice uh, that there was this year. I think uh, a lot of these other other guys who got drafted are just going to have to work their way in and. Uh, and try to fit in with their team somehow, but uh, it's not that often anymore you have an impact uh, draft pick like that. No, it's not. And earlier, also speaking of the NBA, it unveiled a format where they want to officially add a in-season tournament into the fold for the NBA. The 82-game season is long. Many fans do not go out there and hone in on every game on the hardwood for a six-month period. A lot of fans have talked about maybe changing it up and maybe just playing 70, 71, 72 games. An 82-game season can be very long and a long haul for many of these players. And we saw last year, Andy, that a lot of these star players didn't play in 30% of the matchups on the hardwood. They wanted to sit out. They they were tired. They were fatigued. They make 
millions of dollars, but they didn't want to show up and suit up for every single game. And that got a lot of the fan base very annoyed because you're going out there, you're buying tickets, you're going to the arena and the venue to see guys like LeBron James and star stud players like Adebayo and just key guys like Westbrook and Durant and Irving suit up and take to the hardwood and sometimes you'd go to the arena and they wouldn't even be in the starting five for that night's game so hopefully the NBA can unveil this tournament and hope that this in-season tournament that they want to add to the fold here can invigorate the fan base and get the fans into a long 82 game ruling season the nba has so many teams making the playoffs and yet they didn't want to shorten the regular season but uh, the more teams you have in the playoffs and now they have this uh you know even like ninth and tenth seeds uh they call it a play-in but it's still the playoffs it just diminishes the importance of a lot of the 82 games during the regular season uh, you know some of these teams they know they're in the playoffs in january you have a couple of months of the regular season to go, but you know you're in the playoffs, and you know players are going to want to take a few days off when uh, when there isn't that much urgency to that night's game. ESPN reported a little while ago that the NBA officially unveiled its newly formed in-season tournament and the NBA Cup that teams will claim for winning it. The event is the culmination of a vision that NBA Commissioner Adam Silver has had for years to bring a European Cup-style competition to the league. This is a concept that has been rumbling around the league office for around 15 years, Silver said. Earlier today, we thought what a perfect opportunity for a global league like the NBA, and it's a perfect fit for our game at this time. New traditions take time, but all throughout sports, we're seeing new innovations, and now it's the time for this NBA in-season tournament. Yeah, I know in college basketball, that stuff goes real well. You know, you have your Christmas tournaments, and you have your... uh season opening tournaments, you know, in places like Hawaii and all that, and they get a lot of TV coverage. And then um, you have your conference tournaments before the March Madness uh, really gets going. That works in college, but in the NBA, I'm afraid most fans are just going to consider the season a failure if your team uh, isn't the ultimate champion in the playoffs. You know, it's kind of a different breed of fan with the NBA. They just want that ultimate championship and the other things just don't seem to matter as much this in-season tournament andy will consist of six groups to create the groups the nba used a world cup style draw process splitting each conference into five pots that were separated by last year's regular season standings so pot one featured teams that finished first through third so in the east the bucks celtics and sixers were teams that finished first second and third the group plays portion of the tournament will consist of four games one against each of the other four teams across each group that'll take place on seven dates across the month of november this year those dates will be november 3rd through the 28th, a combination of four Fridays and three Thursdays. So the start of the NBA season will be highlighted by this tournament with six groups going out there and battling against one another, Andy. 
During the knockout rounds on days when in-season tournament games are not scheduled, the 22 teams that do not qualify for the knockout rounds will each play two regular season games. Players will take home $500,000 for being on the team that wins the NBA Cup, while players on the team that loses in the title game will take home $200,000 each, with players on the semifinals losing teams each getting 100,000 and then players on the quarterfinal losers taking home 50,000. So you mean to tell me not only are they getting their contractual salary, but they're also getting extra money now yeah, as part of participating uh, in this tournament. Yes, they want to give them an incentive for really uh, putting out their best effort in these uh, games which uh which still are games that are uh so far removed from the uh, NBA playoffs. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see how it works out. I guess uh, it's worth a try, see how the fans respond to it. So it's going to be very interesting, Andy, to see how this uh, NBA tournament plays out. I have not seen anything yet about the Players Association accepting the tournament, so we'll have to wait and see when the approval is official, but it seems to me like it's heading in that direction. Players may go for it if they have those kinds of incentives, money-wise. <laughs> no, you're absolutely right, because I feel the NBA over the last few seasons have lost some of its luster with the 82-game schedule. I mean, it's hard to hone in on NBA basketball in November and know that it can be totally different come March or April with teams already in the postseason. Going into the uh, into February, I mean, they're bucking the NFL with uh, you know the playoff scenarios and the playoff games, and then the Super Bowl. I mean, uh, that would be tough for the NBA to you know all the all the uh, Stephen A. Smith type shows are all going to be talking about the Super Bowl while the NBA is trying to get people to get into these uh, cup uh, you know pools and pods and all that. And speaking of NFL football, Andy, it's just a mere few weeks away before the NFL preseason action starts on the field and the anticipation for the NFL is even more exciting as there was a lot of dramatics. The first game we'll watch in the preseason will be on August 3rd as the Cleveland Browns will go to Canton, Ohio and play the New York Jets, the highly anticipated New York Jets get ready to bring their new quarterback into the forefront Aaron Rodgers and the one thing I have to say Andy pertaining to the New York Jets it is it has been a very 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 quiet start for the 2023 New York Jets they don't seem like the they're available to the media as much as you would want them to be they don't seem like they want the fans to be as invested into their practices like they were in years past you have to step back a little bit and wonder how much are the Jets going to keep behind closed doors with Aaron Rodgers as the star quarterback? And what is Aaron Rodgers 
informing this team to do when it comes to putting his name out there on a daily basis as leading this team on the football field with many fans hoping that they could finally get to deep postseason play and a possible Super Bowl berth. The fact that we haven't heard a lot makes me wonder if the Rodgers influence is a little bit thicker than we expected coming in. Well, Rodgers, uh, he, he's a hard worker and everything, but uh, he's kind of low-key personality-wise. Uh, you know, he he gets the job done when the time comes and he's prepared and he uh, does, does all his work and he's a true professional. But, uh, you know, some players uh, attract the media spotlight and others just would prefer to kind of keep it low-key uh, until they're ready to show the world what they can do on the field, you know. I don't know that Rodgers is that boy and a guy who would welcome all that kind of attention. No, and we've talked about his low-key personality, maybe not fitting in for a hard, aggressive New York fan base, for a media that grills you after every game about every play that you participated in on the football field. I told you throughout the whole offseason that I initially didn't think Aaron Rodgers was going to be a fit. And the fact that he got a lot of the guys that he had in Green Bay, like Randall Cobb, like Alan Lazard, like... Adrian Amos and key guys who donned the Packers uniform and helped him to winning success over the decade plus that he was in Green Bay. He has those guys on the Jets now. So there's no excuses for Aaron Rodgers to go out there and have a bad year. However, I will say I think uh, week one in the NFL season will be a telling sign for how this Jets team goes out there and plays the this season they must win against the bills in week one on monday night football at the meadowlands if they lose that first game the critics are going to come out in full force and i get it's a 18 week 17 game season but you know every game in the nfl andy matters because it matters for postseason positioning Every game matters, and if they go out, it'll affect the tiebreaker. Yeah, if they go out and lose in week one, it is going to be telling moments at Florham Park at Jet headquarters. Well, that's the thing. You want to get off the good start in the NFL. You want to do it the way the Eagles did it last year, where they didn't have to worry about any tiebreakers to get into the playoffs. They just won their way in. Uh, That's what you do with a good start. If you start poorly. You're watching the scoreboard. Uh, you're you not only have to start winning, but you have to see uh, other teams lose at the right times. And uh, those playoff scenarios start coming in there. You're much better off with a with a good start, where you can just, as they say, control your own destiny. <laughs> And, you know, listen, with the Giants, I'm a little concerned. You know, the Saquon Barkley situation, the franchise tag that he wants a bigger contract than what the Giants want to offer him. You know, if they don't make any headway here with a long-term contract for Saquon Barkley, what is his participation going to consist of on the football field? He was an integral piece to Daniel Jones's and the offense's success last season with the agility and the ground and pound attack where the Giants excelled greatly with the quarterback-running-back tandem. You know, Saquon Barkley and the New York Giants need to 
really make some headway now on a long-term contract as the fans are getting frustrated. The idea that we're just a mere month and a half away from the season starting and the idea that Barkley could sit there and and not play in some of these key games to make a statement that he wants a long-term contract is a little bit bothersome to me right now because I've seen a lot of strength from this giant team and a lot of uh, fodder moving in the right direction with the head coach and the offensive and defensive coordinator and Martindale and Kafka. You got to hope that they can continue the momentum of last season and be able to build upon that in year two. And they need to do it by getting a big contract on the table for their key guy on the ground with Saquon Barkley at running back. Well, I remember all the conversation when the Giants drafted Barkley and, uh, I mean, I was a big Barkley fan in college because uh, he was magical at Penn State. Uh, he really gave that program a, a pick-me-up after they had a, some downtime. You know, the kind of stuff that happened at Penn State like some 10 years ago there. And, uh, you know, Barkley uh, managed to put that all in the rearview mirror. Once he was there at Penn State, it was all about football and all about winning again, you know. And the Jerry Sandusky stuff was <laughs> history. Uh, so uh, I love Barkley for what he did for Penn State football. But then when the Giants drafted him, you heard a lot of conversation that, you know, the running backs don't have long careers in the NFL. And uh, how much are we going to pay this guy or for how long term or how long is he going to hold up? And like uh, Ezekiel Elliott, when he uh, went to the Cowboys, I mean, uh, how's he doing now? And he was a fantastic Ohio State running back. Uh, Ohio, the uh, running backs in the NFL, I guess it's, it's just such a physically demanding position. You don't how much you don't know how much service time you're going to get, and uh, that's a big concern with Barkley. Of course, Barkley and his agent, uh, they're going to try to get all the money they can because uh, arguably he is the best running back in football, so he's going to want to get paid like it. So the Giants have kind of a uh, some big decisions to make here about how they spend their money. And you know it's bad for Ezekiel Elliott when you're not doing most of the ground and pound attack in a regular season. When Pollard becomes the guy who becomes your main guy at the running back position, you know things are not good for Ezekiel Elliott. And I remember all the pomp and circumstance surrounding Ezekiel Elliott when he came into the league and he was a big, 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 big player that Jerry Jones had a lot of confidence in along with Prescott. But Zeke hasn't had the magic in a cowboy uniform, Andy, and he's been somewhat of a disappointment over the last uh, year and a half or so, and that's why the Cowboys had to move on from him and make Pollard the main running back behind center. You know, even uh, the legendary Jimmy Brown, who, I'm, who I am old enough to, have, to remember actually watching, and he was like head and shoulders, uh, the best running back, especially of his time. And you could still make a case for him being the best running back of all time. But by the time he was 30, he called it quits. And everybody said, why would this guy who's having such a fantastic career call it quits? But uh, he probably knew that uh, it was getting harder for him to, uh, you know, to get ready for the season and, uh, you know, just, some of the old pep wasn't in the step anymore, and he had a few bumps and bruises. And he probably figured, you know, I might as well go out while I'm with the status that I am because, 
he was a running back who just took a lot of hits. And uh, say maybe Franco Harris uh, has been the running back who had like the longest sustained success of a running back in the years that I've been watching this game. Not too many running backs uh, really last that long. No, they don't, Andy. No, they don't. But if you're the Giants, you got to get something going here with Saquon Barkley as he needs to be a long-term fixture with Daniel Jones at the quarterback position for the New York football Giants. And I just hope, I just hope that last season wasn't a fluke for this team with first-year head coach Brian Dable. We saw a lot of progress. We saw a culture change. We saw a shift in the way they go about their business on the football field. And I just hope that going into this new season, that that transitions over from year one into year two because something is telling me that the Giants may not be as good as last season. I mean, I, I got to watch them play to ultimately get a I good feel the for them. defense will keep them in the games. I think the Giants will have a, a good year. Uh, you know, again, uh, for one year, uh, you know, maybe Barkley will be able to run between the tackles and do a lot of work uh, for one year. I think uh, for long-term success, the Giants need to transition over to being uh, more of a of a passing team where we're, uh, the passing game, you know, dictates uh, what they're doing. As it seemed like last year, they just built off of what they could get on the ground and take advantage of good field position and short yardage on third down. You know, if you get a third and one, yeah, you can give it to Barkley. Uh, and the Giants rarely had like a third and long because they had the good ground game. Uh, I think the Giants will be good this year. They'll contend. They could, possibly be in the playoffs again, very likely be in the playoffs. But for the long term, they're going to have to transition into a uh, more of a passing system and a team that has long-term success uh, throwing the ball in. A big-time athlete on the soccer side, a woman's athlete that we've come to pay attention to over the years. We go back to 2019, Andy, with the World Cup in France where she scored six goals over the course of the tournament, including a penalty shot in a 2-0 victory over the Netherlands in the final. They have the parade in New York in 2019. Megan Rapinoe said earlier today that she will wrap up her 11-year career as a woman's soccer player as she will retire at the end of the 2023 season. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see what happens with this uh, World Cup because uh, I was reading in the paper here, I have right in front of me, that uh, there are several several of the names are going to have problems here. Uh, and knee surgery has knocked Mallory Swanson out of it and uh, Becky uh, Sauerbrunn and uh, Samantha Mewis uh, are, are questionable here. She's 38 years old, Rapineau. They said she's preparing to compete with two-time defending champion in the 2023 FIFA World Cup, which runs from July 20th to August 20th in New Zealand and Australia. She also confirmed Saturday that this will be her final World Cup, so she is hanging up the cleats for good, Andy, at the conclusion of this year's season and the World Cup. So Megan Rapinoe, who many had a love affair with from her 2019 greatness in the World Cup for the USA soccer team, will hang it up after this season. 
And uh, Sarah Brun is also uh, getting old for, for soccer, that is. 38 is still a young person, but, uh, you know, for world-class soccer uh, with lingering injuries, uh, it could be a problem. Uh, the USA has gone for a third straight World Cup. Mewis uh, played for USA at the Tokyo Olympics in 2021. Uh, she had a procedure on her knee. So, you know, nothing lasts forever in sports. Uh, there's wear and tear, and, and uh, you, you just can't. Tomorrow is promised to no one in sports, uh, given, given some of the factors that can hasten the decline in a player's skills. She's a great athlete, though, Andy, wrapping out. She's the oh, league's yeah. all-time leader with 13 penalty kick goals. She's won mass amounts of trophies. She's got an Olympic gold an medal in 2012. She's an inspirational person. You know? Yes, she is. Yeah. And she had World Cup victories in 2015 and 2019. Speaking of the sports buzz and sports talk, Andy, another player who's really found his winning ways has been Carlos Alcaraz as he rallies to return to Wimbledon's fourth round in the Wimbledon finals, Andy, and Alcaraz has been great as he uh, is moving on at Wimbledon with a 6-3-6-7-6-3-7-5 win over Nicholas Jarry, the world number one, was frequently on the ropes against Jerry, but managed to final another gear as he wrapped up the victory on center court to set up a tantalizing encounter with Matteo Bertarini, winner over Alexander Zerov. Yeah, well, w- Wimbledon, Scott, you can't match it for history and tradition. <laughs> That's just a great event. It is, and I'm starting to hone in on tennis a little more as I've never realized how appealing the sport is once you watch it with the athleticism of how these guys go out there and ultimately compete on the tennis court. And when you think of tennis, you think of Serena and Venus Williams and Novak Djokovic and Roger Federer and Rafael Nadal. All of a sudden, Alcaraz has come in and taken over those names. Yeah, I remember uh, Martina Navratilova. She won uh, nine times, six in a row. <laughs> and uh, I also remember uh, Boris Becker was the youngest uh, Wimbledon champion ever. Uh, he was, he won the Wimbledon in 1985 at the age of 21. They called him Boom Boom Becker because he, he served the ball uh, rockets, uh, you know, coming off his racket when he was serving there. Yeah, there have been some memorable performances. I remember a lot of times uh, Jimmy Connors, uh, Chris Everett, John McEnroe, guys who were, you know, saw Andre Agassi. You know, tennis has had its personalities, all right. Yes, it has, Andy, and other areas of significance on this evening's broadcast is the Northwestern University football program made some headlines late this week as a former player and a current player reported to the school in late 2020 of possible hazing taking place within the football program, which included some sexualized acts. The coach, Fitzgerald, has been suspended for two games in the upcoming 2020 
three football season and they said that a lot of these freshman players on the football team were going out there and being tantalized by superior players and players who were juniors sophomores and seniors and that it was an unwelcoming experience to say the least and the idea that the head coach uh, was going to allow this from his players really, really, really leaves a sour taste in many people's mouths who have followed the Northwestern football program. Yeah, you know, some good-natured hazing is one thing, but uh, if you don't put the brakes on it and nip it in the bud, you know, it becomes extreme and uh, and cruel. And, and it's sad to see things like this keep happening. You would think... Uh, you know, people would would have learned from bad experiences of the past, but it seems like people are doomed to repeat mistakes over and over again. Each generation starts making the same mistakes. Upperclassmen wanted to punish younger players for making mistakes in practices and games. Most of the hazing activities took place in the locker room. One common practice was called running. This involved a younger player being constrained while 8 to 10 older players engaged in sexualized acts in the locker room. Versions of running took place during certain portions of the year, including Thanksgiving and Christmas. Just very, very, very distasteful information, Andy, by the Northwestern football team. And there is going to be many that tries to hope that this does not distract them from the upcoming season. But the idea that, that their head coach allowed this and the idea that their head coach would allow them to go out there and treat younger players of this magnitude the way they did is really really tough to stomach i mean this deserves more than just a two-game suspension he should have lost his job over this because what what example are you trying to set you're here trying to get young athletes to go out and perform to the best of their abilities to hopefully one day maybe live their lifelong dream of being drafted into the nfl and you're allowing these students who you go out there and recruit, who you go out there and try to help excel in areas on the football field to traumatize other students by sexual acts if they don't go out there and practice and perform to the best of their ability or if they don't go out there and do what's expected of them. Maybe some of these players have a learning curve. Maybe some of these players take a little bit longer to, to gain an understanding of what exactly the coach is looking for. I mean, this type of stuff going on at a university in a Northwestern program that over the years has really made a big name for itself in the collegiate athletic sport, it really, really leaves a sour taste in many people's mouths. And an average sports junkie honing in on this in the heat of summer is not happy at what is taking place right now is this could be a major distraction for a Northwestern team that has looked to rebuild the promising ways over the last several years. And as the head coach, I would be ashamed of myself. I wouldn't even report to work tomorrow knowing that I was an advocate for what was happening. Or if I knew about it, why didn't I put a stop to it? Yeah, in any uh, team endeavor, I mean, it's up to the experienced uh players and the, uh, say, the, the faster learners uh, to help bring uh, their teammates uh, up a level and uh, and make everybody a better player. Uh, 
you don't want to destroy team morale with this kind of with this kind of stuff. I mean, it's all supposed to be about coming together and being the best team you can be. And uh, yeah, but when all is said and done, Andy, what is any of this going to prove? These guys are have one duty to go out there and perform as a college athlete on the football field and to excel in ways on the field that helps your team win with the hopes that you become a star stud athlete at your time at Northwestern where you can live that dream of being drafted in the NFL. We know not every collegiate athlete is drafted into the National Football League, but these guys who go to these top-tier universities who go on scholarships, who want to play sports, who want to immerse themselves in basketball or football or a respective soccer team or hockey team or whatever athletic program that that school has to offer for the respective student who's going there to learn a particular area of studies, they should have a better leadership stance when it comes to head coaches going out there and readying their teams for victories on the field and the idea that this is going to take place in a locker room and the idea that you're going to be a freshman and you're going to start at Northwestern and you want to be a stud football player and you got to go through this because you make a few mistakes in practice or you make a few mistakes in a game or you're not fundamentally sound the way the coach wants you to be this is totally asinine and embarrassing for a school that is trying to put itself on the map. And if I and if I'm the president of Northwestern, I'd fire the head coach. I'd fire everybody on the coaching staff, and I'd send a message that this is not tolerated in collegiate athletic shape up, or you will not be part of this team going forward. Yeah, you can't have any uh, bullying behavior because uh, that's not the way to win. You've got to do things in a constructive way to. Uh, so that sure, people are going to make mistakes, and if uh, you treat them the right way, they're going to work at improving and eliminating those mistakes. And you don't do it just by bullying people and, and uh, embarrassing them, or, or worse, you know. Uh, yeah, it's definitely poor leadership on the coach's part. What do you yeah. think, Andy? The repercussions of this are going to be outside of the uh, two-game suspension for the head coach. Do you think there should be more serious uh, violations for this act of hazing, or do you think that what the athletic department has done thus far is suitable for the Northwestern team? Well, we'll see how the uh, coaching staff uh, handles things. Uh, you know, if uh, if they look like they've learned their lesson and uh, things are. Uh, progressing the way they should uh then then great you know but if if problems continue you know uh you they have a short leash you know you got to just evaluate it on just uh, how do they respond to this you're listening to the sports buzz with kevin wolf and andy loigu passionate sports talk for the hardcore fan is our daily motto we'll step aside for a break we'll come back right after this Did you receive a call or message that mentioned Social Security and demanded immediate action? Did the caller know your Social Security number or other personal information and tell you that your Social Security number had been used in connection with the crime? Did you feel worried that your Social Security number might be suspended, your bank account might be frozen or seized, or you could be arrested? That is not the Social Security Administration. Social Security will not threaten you, demand your personal information, or instant payment email or text you pictures or documents, or use a real government official's name to gain your trust. Social Security does not accept payments by gift card, 
prepaid debit card, internet currency, or by mailing cash. Criminals use these forms of payment because they are hard to trace. Do not be fooled. Hang up. Ignore them. Report this criminal activity to the Social Security Administration Office of the Inspector General at oig.ssa.gov. Produced at U.S. taxpayer expense. Welcome back to the Sports Buzz. Kevin Wolf and Andy, the Walrus Loigu, coming to you live from the great state of New Jersey on this Saturday, July 8th, 2023, as we chat to you about what's happening in the world of sports as we come to you live on the World Wide Web on Clubhouse, and we make this very broadcast available for podcast playback through Spotify, Google, Apple, and wherever you go for your daily episodes. Want to send me an email? Have a thought about the broadcast? Want to share a sports thought with me? Feel free to reach out at sportsbuzzshow1 at gmail.com. That's sportsbuzzshow, the number one at gmail.com. We started off the broadcast discussing baseball. Let's give you some score updates. On the diamond, as the Atlanta Braves are for real in the 2023 season, as they are leading the top-tiered AL East-leading Tampa Bay Rays 6-1 to one as that game moves to the bottom of the ninth. The Braves are dominating the Rays out in St. Pete. The Astros are leading the Mariners in the top of the ninth 3-2 to two, as the Astros look to find their winning ways and move to 10 games over 500, looking to go to 11 games with their final game of the series against the Mariners tomorrow afternoon before they get ready for some much-needed rest for this year's All-Star break. The Dodgers are all over the LA Angels 6 to nothing as they're shutting them out. Only two innings completed thus far. The big offensive bat of Mike Trout not in the lineup with that big injury that could send Shohei Otani looking elsewhere outside of Southern California in an Angels uniform if the trade deadline or other teams have anything to say about it. The Yankees won earlier today, defeating the Cubs 6-3. The Yankees moved to... Eight games over 500 with a 49 and 41 record. It was a big game for Garrett Cole as he moves to nine and two with a 2.83 earn run average. Drew Smiley, who's had a good season thus far, he moves to seven and six. His ERA bumps up a little bit over four points. 3-0, and King got the save. Tigers, with that no-hitter, it took three pitchers to do it, beat the Blue Jays 2 to nothing. five hits for the Tigers in a 2 nothing win as Manning got the win. The save went to Lang, and Cosman took the loss. The Orioles beat the Twins. They go to 53-35, and 35, 18 games over 500 by a final score of 6-2. to two. And the Cardinals, who are not having a great year, shut out the White Sox 3-0 behind the arm of Miles Michaelis, who moves to 5-5 five five with a 4-2-3 earn run average. Hicks got the save. Toussaint took the loss. The Giants, who are playing well, moved to seven games over 500 with a 5-3 victory over the Rockies. The Rockies now, Andy, are 22 games under 500 as it's doom and gloom for Bud Black and company out there in the Rocky Mountains. 
And the Oakland A's have some company as far as <laughs> there being some miserable teams out there. The yeah, Oakland at one point this year was 10 and 50. They were on a pace uh, to match the 62 Mets for uh, most utility a season. Yeah, 62 Mets went uh, 40 and 120. And uh, the A's, uh, I think they picked up a little bit recently, but when they were uh, 10 and 50, I thought, oh my goodness, this is going to be the worst team in history if they keep up this record. Yeah. They need a retool and a half to make themselves anywhere as significant as they were in the Jason Giambi era. Or were the Reggie Jackson, you know, they had yeah. their Reggie Jackson era too. Captain yeah. Turner and Vita Blue and uh, some historically good teams that they did have. But, uh, you know, we may be looking at, uh, for the rest of the season here, how the Mets were doing on this date in 62 compared to the A's uh, this year. Because, uh, that uh, rec- record of futility of uh, 40 and 120 by the 62 Mets may be challenged this year by the A's. They've said they're moving to Las Vegas, right? But it's, they uh, have, but it's still, I mean, they got to break yeah, ground for the... The stadium needs to be uh, broken. So they've yeah. still got probably a couple of years over there in Oakland. As uh, Steve Summers used to always say, it in the Oakland mausoleum. You don't only have the fans traveling to the ballpark. You have the possums in the broadcast booth. You have the smell and stink of the stadium creeping in over the lights for a night game. You have a dirty, ugly city that is trying to attract the fan base for a team with only 25 wins. Yeah, I remember. I think I may have told you when I was covering the Iron Pigs for the uh, you know AAA Iron Pigs in Allentown. Uh, Philly's AAA team you know, I was covering their games through the Express Times and I remember a game it was the 13th inning anyway and it was almost midnight, it was a late night and all of a sudden they had a skunk delay, there was a skunk on the field but nobody wanted to go anywhere near it <laughs> and uh, I called up the office and I said guys, just so I thought I'd seen everything we have a skunk delay <laughs> Speaking of the athletics, Andy, they get their 66th loss today as the Red Sox win the game 10-3. The Red Sox move to four games over 500, 25-22 at home with a record of 47-43. and 43. They're playing some tough, fundamentally sound baseball on the diamond for Alex Cora with not many veterans, a younger team looking to go out there and make some headway. The problem is they're playing in a division where the A's and Orioles and Blue Jays and Yankees have all dominated. So it's going to be very hard for the Red Sox to try and creep up and make a lot of ground there to try and fight for postseason positioning. Uh, we, we may have an American League East where everybody finishes over 500 and an American League Central where everybody finishes below 500. I mean, here the Cleveland Guardians are in the thick of the race and they're at uh, 500. Uh, it's uh, yeah, it's pretty interesting how things work out sometimes with uh, the three divisions. The high and mighty Florida Marlins, Andy, moved to fifty-two and thirty-nine. They're twenty-nine and eighteen at home. They beat the Phillies, who are eight games over at forty-eight forty, five to three. Garrett got the win. He moves to five and two. Suarez took the loss and. Puck 
got the save, his 15th of the season, and the Marlins have been a very interesting storyline, Andy, and they will go into the All-Star break with the possibility of being 14 games over 500 when all is said and done. Who would have thunk that at the start of this 2023 season? Yeah, going into the season, we knew they had some pitching. But uh, the question was, would they hit? These guys, uh, especially since I've watched them the last couple of nights, uh, they put the ball in play. They don't strike out. They don't, uh, you know, they're not easy outs up there. And uh, they've been putting enough offense together that with good pitching, they've been winning games. So, uh, you know, hats off to the Marlins. Uh, they're one of the positive stories of the year. Just and, went final, Andy. Braves beat the Rays 6-1. to one. They get their 60th win of the year. They've only had 28 losses thus far. They are going to be an extremely tough out the rest of the way as Spencer Strider gets his 11th win. He goes to 11-2 with a 3-4-4 earn run average. They got the manager. A lot of guys too. Yeah. <laughs> They got the manager in Snitger. They got the general manager in Antopolis. And they are clicking on all cylinders. They are going to be must-watch for the remainder of this season, Andy. And they will be a huge heavy favorite to possibly play in this year's Fall Classic. You know, we've seen a lot of good Braves teams over the years, but this may be the best one yet. You know, all the Bobby Cox years and all the... uh, you know, you know, we know what the Braves have done with Glavin and Maddox and uh, Schmoltz and uh, all the teams that they've had, but uh, this may be the best one yet. No, it really may be. I mean, they went from Cox to Gonzalez's manager to Snitker, and Snitker has basically put this team on his back and has reformed themselves as the next Bobby Cox. Mm-hmm. Very interesting, Andy. It's just, it's just yeah, amazing. They've done it with a great farm system oh. too. They. They've done it without key pieces like they've had in, like, Freddie Freeman, who ends up going to the Dodgers. Olsen takes over for Freeman and becomes the next stud player. They don't need Freeman because they got Olsen. Talk about a guy stepping in and filling a position. I'll tell you, Andy, you know. You got Darno, uh, used to be a Met. Uh, I mean, he's a slugger with the Braves now. Isn't that the case with every Met? They end up being abysmal on the Mets. They go elsewhere and end up being star-stud players, and it leaves the Met fan angered. New York's a tough place to play. And uh, I remember one time I actually met uh, Jay Payton, and I asked him about, uh, you know, what what it's like to play for the Mets. And he said that the comparisons to the Yankees hang over them all the time, that that it's always just thrown in their faces. You know, you're not as good as the Yankees. You're not as good as the Yankees. He said said that for him was the hardest part of being with the Mets, that the Mets are always living uh, like second-class citizens to the Yankees. They were the stepchild to the New York Yankees. That's what they were. They were the little brother. And it's always going to be the case. I get the Yankees haven't won a title, Andy, since 2009, but until the Mets go out there and resurrect themselves and try and take over the city with a World Series title, the Mets will always be the little brother to the New York Yankees. And sadly, it hurts me to say that in the year of 2023, but that's just fact. You got to go out there and really get a title 
in a city that the other team has dominated for so long to really try and change the mojo of the respective fan base, the energy of the yeah. city. Yeah, well, the Mets certainly do have their diehard fans. Uh, like know, they, me. They've got a, yeah, they've got a cadre of, uh, of exceptionally optimistic fans. Uh, that, that, that continues. Andy, folks gets up every morning with his newspaper, his cup of coffee, he puts his feet up on the love seat, he sits there and looks at all the Philly stats with baseball and previews the upcoming Eagles season and tries to get a feel for the Flyers and sees what advantages the Sixers may have on the hardwood. And he says to himself after that first sip of coffee and that first paragraph read Ocean County Times down there at the Jersey Shore, boy, why is that broadcast partner of mine still going out there and rooting for the Mets? I dealt with it for five years on FM radio i thought i was able to to change his morale when it comes to mets fandom and he's worse than he's ever been and then what does he do he butters the toast he whips up the scrambled eggs and he forgets that the new york mets even existed and goes back to reading philly stories in the ocean county times am i right andy uh yeah more or less (laughs) (laughs) but like uh you, you know i was I was actually trying to prop you up a couple of weeks ago saying, hey, the Mets aren't out of it yet. Uh, they could still get hot. And you were so despondent and you just wouldn't want to hear it. I was so <laughs> negative and then they go and win six straight. You know what I'm going to need you to do every week we take to the airwaves, Andy? I'm going to need you to prop me up every week because that seems to be the lucky charm that goes out there and gets the Mets on a win streak. Andy Loigu's voice being heard is what gets the Mets a W in the win column. Part of the enjoyment of being a huge sports fan and rooting your team on day in and day out, part of the enjoyment is is bashing a team that you just can't stand. That makes sports even much more fun to watch and hone in on. I mean, everybody has to have an enemy. Stephen A. Smith with the Cowboys, he just, he he has no mercy on them. He, he, He is funny. Funny to watch him when he, go, when he gets off on the Cowboys. Speaking of yeah. Stephen A. Smith, he has a style about him on the television, Andy, that is unparalleled to many. And yeah, I know... irrepressible. I mean, the guy just... Well, sometimes he just holds on to that mic and doesn't even let other people talk. <laughs> no, but... You know, I understand a lot of people may feel he's a loud mouth. I get a lot of people may think that he's too tough to listen to on a daily basis. He has resurrected ESPN into much-watched television on first take. And the way he takes that first take television show and brings some of those stylistic points and some of the value from that show with the energy tied into it to the NBA analyst pre, post, and halftime show for ESPN is incredible because the guy doesn't miss a beat from the minute he takes to the microphone at first take to the minute he ends the postgame show on ESPN. He is the tried and true Stephen A. Smith that we've all come to love and adore day in and day out. 
in the sports media side of the broadcast business. Well, you know, it's interesting, too, about ESPN. Like right now, for several nights, uh, they've been playing these uh, NBA Rookie League games, and uh, uh, the NBA really does get coverage out of ESPN because uh, I remember back in the 80s, uh, they used to play uh, NBA uh, Rookie League games in Princeton. And uh, I used to go down there because the uh, Sixers would be playing there uh, in Princeton and uh, never had trouble getting a seat. And, and uh, you had fans on all over the place cause, and the coaches were uh, dressed down and all that. And it was, it was kind of cool to watch those games. But uh, they, those games are never on TV the way they are now. <laughs> Speaking of the NBA and the ties it has with ESPN, and as we all know, Jeff Van Gundy was an in-game analyst for ESPN, and ESPN has had a lot of um, firings over the last several weeks as they look to retool, as they are just looking to get rid of a lot of the big salaries and a lot of the big-name talent that have been there for decades Jeff Van Gundy who is a great NBA analyst and a great color commentator on the hardwood for the NBA was recently fired and we know that he's been one of the more vocal critics with the NBA with a lot of the negative and positive spin that he tries to put on things when it comes to the NBA with being hard on players being hard on the league's approach to certain things that we may criticize on a daily basis he's very vocal about it Jeff he's just an an opinionated person and you get that when you hear him but I heard a certain sports analyst uh, maybe it was the end of last week and I'm not going to bring his name on the airwaves tonight because it doesn't warrant it for this particular conversation but this particular personality said that he believed that Adam Silver had a gripe against Jeff Van Gundy and went and said to ESPN that they must get rid of Van Gundy if they want to continue the relationship with the NBA of televising games. Do you buy into that, Andy, to that theory? Um, I'm not close enough to it to really uh, have an informed opinion about it, but uh, there are sometimes uh, executives who... uh, they say the best executives are the ones that just hire people and let them do their jobs, uh, you know, because, uh, you know, you, you should know what you're getting when you hire somebody and uh, you should only hire somebody who's trust, trustworthy and who you can depend upon. You know, sometimes uh, executives, they think they know everything and uh, they want to exercise control and power and all that. I guess uh, that happens, human beings being the... Uh, failed uh, or flawed people that we all can be. Uh, I can see where that could happen sometimes, but uh, it's it's certainly not good business for an executive to tell people how to do their jobs when you've already hired them based on their track record of doing their jobs. Well, ESPN pays a lot of money to the NBA, and the the NBA pays a lot of money to ESPN to go out there and broadcast their games. And I'm sure that if Adam Silver was upset with a certain stance that Van Gundy may have taken, maybe he did put a bug into somebody's ear at ESPN that maybe Maybe changes needed to be made, but I think it's still a little rough to go out there and form an assessment of that magnitude without knowing the full inner 
links of the story and to why it led to Van Gundy's firing. And I was shocked they got rid of Jeff Van Gundy. I mean, he was a great analyst for them. And I think now that this is going to be a good time for Van Gundy to sit back, I'm sure he's very upset about what happened to him, but I think this is going to be a good opportunity for him to look at all of the different teams out there in the NBA get a feel for what each team has well, going for them go broadcasting for another yeah. network or go know. out there and retool himself as a head coach in the National Basketball Association. He was good with the Knicks. He was a really yeah. good coach with the Knicks. Wasn't great with the Rockets. Didn't really have that great relationship with Yao Ming and key guys that you felt he was going to try and transform and couldn't. But when you think of Van Gundy, you think of a lot of positive years as a New York Knicks head coach, and he'd be a very big asset for a team looking for an NBA head coach. He understands from having been through it already how much it takes. It's an awful big commitment to be a coach. Uh, you know, like Dick Vermeil never slept when he was coach of the Eagles. He, like, lived in his office. He hardly ever slept. Um, you know, you never feel like you're prepared enough. Uh, I think it'd be easier on him and his family if he just went into broadcasting and was a good analyst. Uh, but uh, uh, you got to look deep in your heart and see if he... When you know what it takes, if you still want to do it, uh, you know, you reach a point in life where uh, you don't have quite that same uh, energy level that you did maybe when you were younger and you were so dedicated to being a good coach. You know, you just have to look into yourself and see what you feel you're capable of. With that said, Andy, any final thoughts on this evening's broadcast? I thought it was a good one. As always, and uh, look forward to doing another one. Andy, thank you again for your daily participation, your weekly participation, and to all you sports junkies who listened in on Clubhouse and who got a feel for what the sports buzz has to offer, make sure you go out there and spread the word about passionate sports talk for the hardcore fan, as we are your weekly destination for hard-hitting, thought-provoking sports talk. You're not going to get this on commercial radio. You're not going to get this on satellite radio but you're guaranteed to get it in broadcast form on the world wide web and you're guaranteed to get it as a podcast once the broadcast has concluded with that said he was andy loigu i was kevin wolf enjoy your all-star week of baseball we'll be back next week as we get into the meat of the baseball season and it all starts to matter now for these teams trying to jockey for playoff positioning in the mlb postseason the nfl preseason is just a few weeks away before you know it the nba players will be back on the hardwood the hockey players will be taking to the ice and we'll have a busy fall coming your way here on the sports buzz but until then we have a lot to talk about in the coming weeks and the only thing i ask you to do is spread the word and continue to join us daily for great sports talk you've just listened to the sports buzz enjoy the dog days of summer try and get to the beach try and get down to the jersey shore if you see andy walking on the boardwalk give him a wave and tell him you love the sports buzz and even give him a thumbs up he's a great guy 
guy. He'll love to really see you, and he'll even give you an autograph or two. Again, he is a journalist, folks. He writes for a living. I'm Kevin Wolf. He was Andy Loigu. Adios until next time. We are the